This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, the independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is not Sammy James, I am Dan Cook, standing in for Sammy as he spends his weekend at the F1 in Singapore. And well, <laughs> he picked quite a good weekend to be as far away from SW6 as possible. Premier League returned after our international break and it felt like a long time since we'd last walked through the turnstiles at Craven Cottage. There was excitement, people had battled through train delays, traffic jams, and then eight minutes in we were wishing we hadn't bothered. An ugly challenge from Nat Chalabar saw him sent for an early bath after a VAR check and then it was always going to be an uphill battle. I'm joined by three gentlemen to debrief on this one, having a look at Saturday's disaster class. Firstly, we've got the silver-tongued Marco De Novellis. Hello, Marco. How are we doing? Hello, Dan. Happy to be here. Thank you for being on with us. Uh, we've got a man who ruffles feathers with his quill every weekend with his player ratings. It's George Rossiter. Hello, George. How have your Twitter mentions been over the past 24 hours? No, not great. I've apparently got an agenda against Tom Kearney now, unfortunately. <laughs> we will come on to that one later. And finally, a man who was described today on TalkSport as a button pusher. It's the one and only Mr. Dom Betts. Hello, Dom. How are the TalkSport studios today? Hello, mate. I thought you'd say, you know, yeah, I thought you'd go with the line, he's the biggest football fan I know who doesn't actually like football. <laughs> so, well, know. it was better than a couple of weeks ago when you got called Weird Dom. So, uh... <laughs> I mean, I mean... Is he is is Matterface wrong? No, he's, he's probably not. <laughs> well, before we do get stuck into it, Dom, have you got some three word reviews for us? Yes, I do. So taking them off Twitter today, uh, we got Jimmy Be Good or at Craven Cottage Nine with Fulham out of tune. Uh, we got Jezen with Last Goal Wins, uh, referring to you know you know Bobby Reed's uh, somewhat consolation. Uh, we got Seventh Heaven with one for sorrow. Uh, Weekly Geekly with one to forget. And Chris Lewis of Nat's Looney Tunes. Very, very good. I'd also like to throw into the mix Josh Whitcomb's review, which actually came through at half time when I was on the Fulhamish Twitter yesterday. And he went with Nathaniel Cello Bar Humbug, which I thought was quite good. And it did maybe chuckle from the back of the hammy end. Obviously, I think there's only one place to start, Marco. Firstly, did you think it was a red card? And secondly, what were your thoughts on what was going through Nat Chalaba's head when he decided to make that tackle? <laughs> so last time I was on, I compared swapping Rodak um, for, from Leno for, to like uh, going from Magikarp to Gyarados. So now replacing Palina with Chalaba, I was thinking about how to phrase this. It's like going from a lovely week's holiday in an all-inclusive five-star hotel in the Algarve to a sort of ketty weekend in a crackdown in Bognor region. There's people on Twitter, there's people on Twitter literally begging for a free match ban and it is 100% a, a red card. I think it's come from him not being uh, on his toes enough, being sloppy, being sluggish, not closing down his challenge like Paulinho would do and just diving in and... Silver's come to his defence. Um, he's, yeah, I think like Chalabar's his love child or something. He absolutely adores him. Obviously, he did well at Watford, doing terribly for us. Um, yeah, no argument, Red Card. Yeah, Dom, it's, I've seen some people wondering whether it's just sort of that energy and the sort of pent-up anger within that Chalabar. You know, he's not played very much this season. He was excited to be out on the pitch and he just sort of let it bubble over. Do you think that's where it came from? There's that, but I just it's just a stupid challenge, like to be to be perfectly frank. I mean, yes, you can say, Oh, if you look at it in slow motion, it's this, it's this, it's that, but like yes, maybe in the Premier League, maybe five, six years ago, you can say, Yeah, it's not a yellow, but by the laws of the game and by the letter of the law, it is a red card. If you look at Emerson Royale's challenge um at the, in the in the North London Derby, that is a red card. Uh, if you, I mean, if you look go, go, go into fucking Scottish football and you look at um, 
had a challenge that Hearts player got a red card for. Like it's a red card. Like there's no need to make that challenge eight minutes into the game. I understand it's eight minutes into the game, which some people have suggested. Oh, so you should lay bars up. Yeah, but still, by the letters of the law, it is a red card. And I think it's a silly challenge from Chalabar. As Marco said, the positive of it is we don't see him for another three games. <laughs> like that, 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 that is the positive of the challenge because you know, yes, it's probably the worst he played this season, whatever. But I mean, he does. Nathaniel Chalabar does not help us by making that challenge that close into the game. Yeah, I think the most disappointing thing is the fact that it's so early in the game and, and you know, we're looking at this point as a, as a real potential for three points at home. Obviously, we were missing players, but so were Newcastle. And it's just, it's such a shame that that challenge comes so early and it just kills kills the game completely, really, from that point. If we go back a little bit, Earlier than that, when we look at when the teams were announced, I think there was a bit of surprise. You know, we knew that there were some players who were definitely going to be missing, but to see Kenny Tete and Willian both out as well was a, a bit of a shock. Into the starting 11 came Levin Kazawa for his debut and Kevin and Babu, both with a considerable point to prove uh, after how Mbabu's performed and also how Kazawa's just not been present at all since he joined. And both ended up being subbed off before half-time. George, you gave both of them a 2 out of 10 in your player ratings. Talk me through their performance, please. Well, I think with um, Mbabu, there were slightly higher expectations because especially in the Brentford game when he came on, he made a bit more of a positive impact. He shored up the defence a bit and put in a, a couple of good crosses to Mitrovic. but. I think I said in the ratings that there shouldn't really be a right back at this level that's too afraid of playing against the left-hand side of Joshua Murphy and Dan Byrne, but unfortunately <laughs> he made it look far too easy for them. Um, live in Kazawa, full debut, God knows how long it's been since he's made 90 minutes. You know, There's going to be some excitement there because this is someone who spent the best part of a decade at Monaco and PSG. He's a Champions League football player a few years ago but he was no better um I think the huge lack of match fitness showed I think also with both fullbacks I'll defend them a little bit here because as much as I've given them a two out of ten I feel like there was reasoning for them being rubbish because I feel like when we've gone to that such a narrow 4-4-1 from the moment the red car comes to half time they're playing so narrow and it was so badly exposed by how wide Josh Murphy and Miggy Almiron were playing. So it was two out of 10 performances, but there's there's reasoning as to why it was so bad for both. Um, you know, the lack of match fitness, the, the narrowness of the formation, but it doesn't take away what, what's been a really problematic defensive performance on each side. And obviously with those two being quite high profile backups to the two we had, it is a little bit worrying. Yeah, no, I can't disagree with that. I think the defensive performance, especially in that first half, was a real, real concern. Uh, I mean, when you look at what Newcastle had to do to create chances, they didn't have to work particularly hard. It seemed like space sort of opened up pretty easily and they had a lot of time in and around our area. And I don't know about you, Marco, but I think that could easily have been six or seven on a different day. Yeah, 100%. Um, and we've made Almiron look like an absolute world beater. Um, and... Yeah, someone who Grealish has openly sort of taken the piss out of. And you've got Deck from Anton Deck taking the piss in the cottage. And um, Newcastle haven't won in six games as well. So it wasn't great. Um, coming back to Mbabu, I mean, I think he needs a season out on loan at Wickham or something like since his mistake at Tottenham. He's been a bit of a rabbit in headlights. And first goal, he loses man. We could have conceded before the sending off as well with the foul that he gave away. Um, and then they got a free kick uh, that, that nearly ended up going in. So, yeah, not great at all. Because, oh, I didn't think he was as bad as other people have said. Um, but I'm just a bit concerned we've got another Congolo on our hands, his lack of game time, his, you know, looks like he's picked up a knock already. Um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a strange day. I think when you think, I know, Dan, you were at the game. Um, I guess maybe you got a season ticket. But when you think that the fact that people paid 60 quid to see that, and then you also think maybe Tony Khan should should assign a proper backup CDM, um, and the fact that Tom Kearney exposed himself to twenty one thousand people. It was a very strange and upsetting day. Um, so I think 
we'll be fine. We've got big players to come back in. Um, but uh, yeah, it wasn't great. I think you make a really good point, in fairness there, Marco, about our lack of options in, in central midfield. And, and maybe there are fingers that need to be pointed here at the recruitment because you see Josh Onimer on the bench on Saturday and that's a player that Marco Silva had decided over the summer that he wasn't going to be a part of this squad. He didn't want him anymore. We tried to offload him and failed. And then because no replacement came in, he's had to be brought back into the squad. And I mean, it just seems like we've left ourselves really short in the middle of the park, George. Yeah, it does. I think, as Marco pointed out with his wording earlier, which was incredible, um, the the, the drop in the quality of player from Halinier and even Reid down to, well, what is Chalibur and Onoma at the moment is quite substantial. Um, We lost Francois to Croatia on loan. I mean... I'm not saying that's someone I want to see fill in in the Premier League, but it's an option and it's an option that we currently don't have if one or two of those options aren't there. I think with a squad of 24, even if we were tight on the finances, there would have been room to just bring in a body. Um, I mean, I wrote the article recently about who we could have dipped into the free agent market to look at. Obviously, Fabian Delph has retired, so that's not a current option, but... There was the Portuguese midfielder, Xhaka, who up until a week or two ago was, wasn't was signed up. He's now gone to Wren. Um, but yeah, we are, we are lacking a body there and especially a body of quality. Um, Shalabert, as, as bad as what happened on Saturday was, let's not forget quite how poor he was in his other start against Crawley. Um, this isn't a one-off write-off. This is a player that is probably not quite good enough and that's just how it is. Um, I don't think he particularly showed anything a few years ago at Watford to disprove that. But again, that was with Marco Silva. So he's the man that's got the faith in him. Um, I think re- regarding the numbers in midfield in the game, I'm going to go on to a bit of a different point with Marco. I, th- I don't think he was proactive enough with the options he had. Okay, Kenny and Onoma, they're not the options you want to fill in for that number six that Palinia or Chalabar are. But we saw in the second half just how much more solid we could be with a 5-3-1. Okay, but we're unlikely to make a difference in the game with that rigid of a formation. But the second half was drawn 1-1. The back three and the midfield three stopped Newcastle consistently overloading on us. And we did look more solid in general. And even at 1-0 or 2-0 down, you can still make that change earlier just to stop it being 3-0 at half-time and game over. And yeah, maybe he just did, didn't have the confidence in the players on the bench to do that. But ultimately, we saw in the second half that even with a quite attacking midfield three with Kearney and Pereira, it did stop that flow of attacks from, you know, Almiron Murphy to a certain extent. Yeah, this is actually a question that I did want to come on to and I'd like to hear all your thoughts on this. And I've said this before that I, I think criticism you know, it can be constructive and it's not moaning for moaning's sake. I just think sometimes we do need to acknowledge errors and mistakes. I just wonder if, if Marco got it wrong after the red card. It felt like we didn't really adapt. We didn't change anything. We sort of just kept going and we got slaughtered in that first half. And then you look at the second half, we did actually change it, as, as George said, and we looked a bit better. You know, obviously we, we weren't fantastic, but we did draw the second half one all. We gave away fewer chances. And I just wonder if, if Marco got that wrong, Dom. Yeah, I, I felt I, it, it was weird. I feel like once once we got the red card, I don't think we really tried to counteract to what Newcastle were trying to do to us when we had 10 men. I also, like once we brought Diop on, we had three at the back. I thought we played a lot better. I think we looked a lot, a lot more stable at the back. So, yeah, it's, I think, you know, it reminded me, I know it's like, because it's probably literally the anniversary of it, but it reminded me quite a lot of the Coventry game uh, away last season where, you know, the head's gone. We just, and then I feel like that's what Fulham do have done quite a lot, though. Like when, when it has been bad, it's been really bad, as opposed to, oh, well, we get a man sent off, we go down, we shut it out and we only lose like by one goal. I feel like sometimes that we, when when it does go bad for us, uh, all our players' heads just seem to go, and I don't know. If it's, I don't know if it's down to Marco Silva or anything, but I feel like sometimes that we we don't seem to when we are under the cost, we don't seem to shut up shop. I feel like we kind of just allow the situation to happen at, as it does, and 
I think it's something that definitely needs to be worked on because I guess after that we went on a great run and I hope hopefully that happens. You know, we've got quite a lot of games that we can do that in. But I just feel like sometimes I'm not I'm not calling out silver, I'm not calling out our players, but it I feel like some we don't seem to be able to when it goes bad, you know, sort of make make it an acceptable loss <laughs> if that makes sense. We seem to just completely lose all composure and then everything just goes on from there. I mean, I, I, I don't know what the exact, exact stats are, you know, when we've lost big games, you know, for example, to Coventry both times, to Sheffield United, to Nottingham Forest. But I just feel like sometimes we just, we just don't be, we're not able to just like, oh, okay, we'll only lose by one goal. We'll only lose, we'll lose 2-1, we'll lose 3-2. I just feel like some, some of the time we sort of just heads completely go and, I mean, I think that is something that Silver does need to question. Don't I said I'm not going to, you know, question Silver. I mean, he's done so good since he's been here, but it is something that definitely needs to be looked at. And this is the thing: if if you look at the stats in comparison from the first half, when Marco just kind of he saw the red card, he put Pereira deeper, he just let it flow, and we were three 0 down. Compared to when he made the change, when he was more not proactive because it took him till half time to make those changes, but when the changes were made, you're looking at 13 to nil on shots to Newcastle in the first half to six to four in the second half, possession 76 to 24 first half, 61 to 39 second half. I think there's always that worry as a manager that it's the seventh minute. Am I going to look silly if I make a change this early? But if it stops that flow of goals, you have to be proactive as a manager and make the change. He obviously had it in his mind that playing a back three, playing a midfield three, just staying narrow and solid would stop the flow of attacks. And it did. And if he does it earlier, we might not be looking at conceding four. Yeah, I don't know what you what you think about this, Marco, but maybe this is just a consequence of having a forward-thinking, attack-minded manager that there are going to be games where we just capitulate because there are teams who... When they go 2-0 down, as Dom you know, says, you would see them shut up shop and take a 2-0 loss. Whereas I think Marco Silva is very much a manager who seems to back himself to try and win games by scoring goals. And maybe that's not always the best route in the Premier League, especially. Yeah, I think it's fair. Someone, I think someone asked on Twitter, what would you prefer? Um, you know, Scott Parker type style where you're scraping wins and draws or Marco Silva where one week it's, it's incredible, the other week maybe it's a bit painful. But yeah, I mean, it's a unique situation that sort of sending off any any sub or change he was going to make was going to be makeshift because there, there wasn't a direct replacement. It's probably the most important person on the pitch despite how useless he is, was the one who got sent off. Um, so I sort of... I see his like uh, ambition to like want to do something with the game, and then when Mitra got injured, then it's a whole, yeah, a- another issue to deal with. Uh, but I just think managers, as a rule, are like very reluctant to make changes. Even in the United games today, they were getting destroyed, and and Ten Hag didn't do anything until half time. So it's a bit a bit similar there. Um, they've got their game plan, and they uh, they want to stick to it, whatever happens until until it's too late. I can't remember how many games I've been to where the fans are sort of shouting for changes and it's only like 20 minutes later that the manager finally makes a change. There must be a reason that, that I'm not uh, tactically adept to understand. But um, yeah, strange one. Um, yeah, I think we've had a bit of a blow yesterday. As Dom said, we've got some winnable games coming up. Looking at the next sort of four games, at least six points, I'll be happy with that. So um, hopefully it's just a blip. We can get good players back and go again. And just to add on to that, I think something that you should be capitalising on the fact is that we have five substitutes now. Like I thought having the two extra substitutes would have encouraged, you know, instead of making changes for changes' sake, making changes to change the game, you have you can use over half of your subs bench. We might not have the options, but he's shown he can make the changes and if we've got more op- if we've got more opportunities to do so just do it earlier and prevent a 4-1 defeat even if it's only 2-0 it's better for the goal difference to be fair like Almiron's goal is unbelievable like that's I know we were a bit under the cosh but that shock of conceding that second one that's put us back so yeah it's it was a bit unlucky I mean, and I yeah I mean 
um, shout out to my mate Charlie. He was at the game. He, he has filled me in on a lot of fans being very angry with uh, Callum Wilson, who was just, I don't know if you, you saw that, Dan, un- unnecessarily provocative of the Fulham fans. Looked very smug in the interview at the end, just a distasteful character. But, um, but uh, uh, yeah, I think... 3-0 going into half-time. Uh, yeah, could have been two without that wonder goal. I was very surprising that Almiron pulled that off. His, his smiles really started annoying me. I don't know why he's always smiling. Like, what's so funny? I don't get it. But anyway. It's it's funny you bring up the, the Callum Wilson thing because I was I was talking about this with a friend. That's not the first time that Callum Wilson has scored against Fulham at Craven Cottage and given some to the hammy end. I remember him doing it for Bournemouth when they tore us apart back in the uh, the darker championship days. So I wonder if there's anything in there. If anyone knows if there's any reason why Callum Wilson hates Fulham, please do let us know because it's been puzzling me for a bit. If we uh, if we just wrap up the first half as we've just gone over it, I think if things could have been worse, they couldn't have been worse when we saw Alexander Mitrovic limp off. We obviously know he picked up a knock on international duties and it seems like it's a, the same injury. Dom, do you think it was just precautionary from Marco, sort of thinking that the game's gone here, let's keep him safe? Or do you think we should be worried? No, I don't think we should be worried. I think I'll say it to people at work today. I was like, the game was gone. There's no reason to keep him on. We know what he picked up in the first game in, in obviously, Serbia's Nations League campaign. Obviously, he ended up scoring against Norway in, in the next game. But, no, I don't, I don't really think it is. I think, you know, you at that point, you knew the game was gone. There's no reason to risk him. And I think, yeah, I, th- I think Marcus Silva made the right decision by taking him off. Yes, we ended up losing the game by three goals, which I think we should probably got quite lucky by, <laughs> to be honest, by losing the game by only three goals. But, no, I, I don't. I think that... Mitrovic is probably fine. We've got eight game, eight days between obviously that game and West Ham away next weekend. I don't think there's anything really to be to be worried about because I think Marcus Hill would have come out and said something if there was if there was a big issue with like I don't know a hamstring or an ankle injury. So yeah, I think it was just precautionary, and I think he made the right decision by doing that because the game was gone. You bring on Vinicius Junior. One, it one it protects Mitrovic. Two, it gives Vinicius Junior or Vinicius minutes, and I think, yeah, I just I think people are making sort of a big deal out of nothing with that. I expect him to fully be starting against West Ham next Sunday. It would be really nice if we did have Vinicius Junior. That would be uh, that'd be a really good addition to the left wing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it'd be it'd be great, it'd be great for dying down that right hand side. I was convinced we had him. I was telling everyone, oh no, we signed Vinicius Junior, like incredible, like yeah, we're, we're, and then transpires it's someone else. But yeah, I was I was very happy when we signed him. It's all right. We'll have uh, when Manuel Solomon finally is fit again. He will uh, he will do things that Vinicius Junior could only dream of. Uh, right. If if we move on to the second half, and this is one that I am very much looking forward to talking about because it's caused some debate. George, you gave Tom Kearney a four point five in your ratings, and some people weren't happy. I know you've had some thoughts on how it wasn't necessarily. TC who made us look better in that second half but just a general change in structure and then Marco Dom please feel free to shout at George if you disagree because that's what Twitter's been doing for the past 24 hours yeah we, we've we've had a lot of this on Twitter in reply to the ratings about how um, a four and a half might be harsh but I, I feel like in, in, in one sentence in the ratings it's hard to get across what I'm thinking. So people have just seen that I've said he's anonymous and that's what they've gone off. Fair enough, that's what they see. But the reason I thought he was quite, not overly poor, but just a little bit inadequate for this game, I haven't got the agenda people claim I have. I I believe that a lot of people who have replied think that when he came on, he helped us gain some more control of the game. Um, and there's some truth to that, but I, as you say, I think that is part of a bigger structure. We, we've gone from a first half where we're playing quite an open back four. We're playing a midfield four that includes Andreas Pereira, who quite frankly let his defensive inadequacy show. Um, I don't think that's his fault particularly. He's an out-and-out 10 that for most of this season has been pressing so high that he is a second striker next to Alexander Mitrovic. But when Kearney comes on and makes it a midfield three, and Issa Diop comes on and makes it a back three, as I've said earlier, that's going to contribute to how solid a team is rather than them playing 
a fluid back four and a midfield two that doesn't have two holding midfields like Reed and Pro. You've got Reed who's flashing about everywhere because he's having to cover for Chalaba not being there and Pereira not knowing how to do the defensive duties of a six or an eight. So I think that's the main reasoning for why I've given Kearney it because quite frankly, in the second half, we were much more solid and we were playing against a Newcastle team that had gone from fifth gear back down to first gear because they had no reason to play at a higher speed than that. And I didn't notice him creating anything other than a shot from 25 yards, which resulted it with him showing off his pants. So, you know. I'm, For some, I'm that like, might have been a highlight. Exactly. It was a highlight, but ultimately it might have dropped me from a five to a four and a half. So here we are. <laughs> I just I just think with the game was just, perf- was just gone. I don't think any player's performance yesterday was entirely relevant, to be honest, to, like, to, to, to the start of the season. I think when it comes to Tom Kearney, I think, you know, George being given it a 4.5 is just... I, I'm not saying he played well yesterday, but I'm not I'm not saying he... I don't think he played badly. I think Tom... I think it was just collectively the team just were, were terrible yesterday. And I don't think Tom Kearney... I know he didn't create too much, but who did, I think, is, 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 is the main point, really. That uh, Tom Kearney, I, I think this season is a great player for us to bring off the bench. Uh, especially, I know. I think the main thing is we were down to ten men. We we couldn't obviously have Palina. We have Nathaniel Chalaber, who is. I mean, I've, I'm, I've I don't just talk about Nathaniel Chalaber because I've I've given him enough abuse over the last like couple of seasons anyway. I don't think he's he's any good at football. Um, but I just four point five, George. Come on, mate. Like, like, I I think I mean if you compare it to the rest of the team, then yeah, maybe if because everyone played for probably about a four point five. Uh, I think Tom Kearney, like, he's someone you want to bring on when it's like two two, or it's one one. Um, Kearney for me, I think he played perfectly fine yesterday. Uh, he he was trying to do things. Yes, they didn't necessarily come off. Um, but you know, George, George is the one who gives the match rating. So I'll give it to him. But Marco, I think I, I, I personally think that he, he was fine. I just think everyone was quite poor yesterday. Um, well, I was going to say backing George up, uh, you know, Tom Kearney is sort of sacrosanct. You cannot attack him. Uh, if you do, you, you risk mass abuse, mass hysteria on Twitter. I've, I've experienced it myself in the past, George. So if you need any support, I'm here. Um, it's, yeah, avoid it at your peril. He has sort of like Scientology-esque fanatic supporters who will defend him to the, to the hilt. People are even talking about putting him in a, in a CDM defensive role because it worked so well with John michel Sarri a few seasons ago that we should do it again and he'll be absolutely fine and he can pirouette and turn around and take his pants down all day. I would... Um, uh, I would never criticise Tom Kearney uh, based on on the reaction you can expect. He's a fantastic player and, and yeah, beyond any criticism. Look, there's, there's no agenda here. I love the man and more. I actually believe he's got more of a role to play this season than he has in the previous two when he suffered from injuries. His role in the team hasn't been specified. Like the way he's come on to help us see out the wins we've had, you know, especially at Forest um, and the Brighton game, he was unbelievable, but I think the only thing I regret from yesterday is not giving him a five like the other two subs that played. But like I said, it got dropped because he yeah, he pulled down his trousers. So that's all his own doing in my eyes. <laughs> well, uh, you say, Dom, about no one's performance is particularly relevant after Saturday. However, there is one person that I do think deserves a fair amount of credit. And it's hard to take positives out of games like this, but he definitely is the biggest positive. And that was Burnt Leno in goal, I think. You look at some of the saves he pulled off, which... A couple of them were very, very good. He was so unlucky for Newcastle's third goal because the initial save he makes to tip it onto the post is exceptional. He was good coming off his line. Mark, I think he's proven himself now as our number one, right? We've we've got a really good goalkeeper on our hands. And after Polinho, we you know, maybe looking at our best signing of that summer transfer window. Yeah, I think people... Would when we signed Jao Polinia, was like, oh, Rhoda should no, should not be given a chance because Jao, because like, because um, Bert Leno is just definitely a better goalkeeper. I've got nothing against Marit Rodak, but I, I, I love what he's done for us. Last when you sign someone 
and you sign a switch, you're a goalkeeper of his quality, you shouldn't be saying, oh, we should give Rona. No, you shouldn't be giving Rona a chance because I think that Leno is so much better than, well, let's say uh, Sergio Rico. I think he's so much better than him. I think he's so much, I think he's better than any goalkeeper we've had in a long time. I think the deal was a very good deal to make. And I think we, we've done real, to, we've done well to get him, especially the deal that we, we got him on. But I said, it, I said, I think basically, essentially, what we've done is we've we've got him on a really good deal, and the weekend's result is whatever happens, you know. Yeah, yes, it's a bad result, but we can bounce back. We can bounce back from this. We're still in the top half. We're like eighth in the table, but I think, yeah, I said, hopefully, this teaches you know the team lesson that yes, we've been really good this season. Yes, Palini is a key part of the team, but we need to bounce back from this. Thankfully, in October there are so many games that. We can literally come back West Ham away next Sunday. I didn't think they would go against Wolves anyway because I think Wolves are pony. Um, so uh, we, we, we were unlucky to only get a point against them. So I think that, yeah, we bounced back in West Ham. We've got Bournemouth at home. We've got Villa at home. We've got, you know, Leeds away. We've got Everton at home. There's, there's games here to get points in. And so I think, yeah, Leno has been a sensational signing so far and I think it's only going to get better. And I think, this game realistically is just something we need to look over. Yes, it happened. We move on and we, we go further forward. I don't know what you think, Marco. Better than Ariola as well. And and uh, a little bit better than Marcus Bertinelli. But you said that, that you don't um you don't take issue with Rodat. I do take issue with Rodat. Everyone sort of let him get away with it. Why why every time he doesn't get played, he threatens to leave the club? I don't I don't really like it. Like you're you're a young keeper. You've got Bernd Leno coming in. Like learn from him. You've got plenty of years left, probably over over a decade left of your career. Sort of throwing your toys out of pram before you proved yourself in the Premier League. It's, it's annoyed me. I think he's got away with it. So I'd just like to to stop him getting away with it now. Um, but but yeah, Leno top. Garados is is bossing it. Yeah, and I think. This is this is going to be really important for us this season. You know, there are going to be games when we need our keeper to dig us out, and there was nothing he could have done about yesterday. But I think there will be points in this season where Bert Leno single handedly gets us points on the board, and that's that's what all you can ask of your goalkeeper, really. I think and he the best... stopped just getting embarrassed yesterday. If I'm being perfectly honest, like I've, yeah. I was speaking to a, I got a couple of Newcastle colleagues, and I was speaking to them. I was I was like, mate, how are you lost by a three goal deficit? Was, was probably a positive of the game, to be honest, because I think we could have easily lost that game 6 7 nil. Yeah, no, I, I, it, we definitely could have done. And if it wasn't for some profligacy in front of goal from Newcastle, it could have been really, really damaging. Just before we go to the break, I wanted to one last point to touch upon. And this comes from my favourite part of the game, which was the musical chairs game that we played with our wing-backs it seemed like everyone got a chance to play there, including Dan James at right wing back. Bobby Decordover-Reed played both on the left and the right, which was quite fun as well. I thought Dan James did admirably, in fairness, albeit for little reward, he did run a lot, which is all you could have asked from him, I guess, in that situation. But when you actually look in the second half and when we actually did score a goal, it came from a header from Bobby Deacon over Reed, but it came from really good work from Nisins Cabano playing as a left wing back. And I thought he looked really bright when he came on. You know, he picked up a knock on international duty, which is probably why he didn't start. But if we're looking ahead to next weekend, Dom, do you think Dan James did enough on Saturday to justify staying in the team? Or do you think that, that cameo from Niskins brings him back into the fold? I think what Dan James did is... It shows what Dan James is about. I've spoke to plenty of my mates who support Leeds or I know in games. They're like, yeah, he runs about a lot, but when it comes to end products, he's not really there. When it comes to Nisikin, I know it's coming from me, the biggest Nisikin Cabano fan like in the world, but I just thought Nisikin Cabano, I'm not saying I'm not saying he changed the game when he came on, but he, he, he gave us something different, I think is the best way to describe it. And I think, you know, when it comes to Dan James, I think actually when we, I think he's a very good player for us when we're changing tactical systems, but I don't necessarily think he's a starter for us. You know, we, if you saw his chance against Forrest, I mean, he should be burying that, should, or at least getting it on target. And I think Niskin Scabano 
Like I, I know I'm as I said, I'm I'm his biggest fan, but I think he did so well to, when he came on. He set up the goal, and I think what 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 people need to realise is actually he's not just oh he runs down the wing and he might set up a chance. To be honest, that's probably what Dan James is about. If I'm being perfectly frank, so I've, yeah, Nisikas Zabano for me at the moment should be starting. Once we get obviously likes Harry Wilson and Manor Solomon back, then yeah, maybe it's a different argument. But I think yeah, what Nisikas Zabano did when he came on setting up the goal, I think to me, to be honest, for me against West Ham, he should be the starting winger. Yeah, no, I think that's totally fair enough, and I find it hard to disagree. Dan James is someone who most likely I think was brought in as an impact sub and is going to be useful when games get stretched. But if we're looking at to start games and unpicked teams, maybe Niskan Scabano is the man to do that. Right, that will wrap us up for the first half of this pod and we will come back after the break with some of your questions. See you in a moment. This is an advertisement for BetterHelp, a portal for finding online therapy. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Would you read more Fulham transfer rumours? Well, whatever it is, one thing that many of us have in common is wishing that we had more time. And therapy can be a place to help you work through what matters to you so you can have more time to do it. Therapy is great for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the very best version of yourself. It's not just for those who experience major trauma. And if that's something you're looking for, that's where BetterHelp can come in. BetterHelp is entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. They'll match you with a UK mental health professional with a wide variety of expertise. There's no referral needed and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, giving you complete control over the whole experience. And Fulhamish listeners can get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash Fulhamish. That's betterhelp.com slash Fulhamish to get 10% off your first month. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello and welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. I'm joined by Marco, Dom and George, and it's time to get stuck into some of your questions. Firstly, we've got one from David Wellington, who says, last season we had virtually no injuries. This season we've had so many. Has something changed behind the scenes or have we just seen the two different ends of the luck spectrum? People are blaming behind closed door friendlies, but we played more games last year. Marco, what are your thoughts on this one? Are we just getting unlucky or is there something a little bit more sinister going on here? This happens every time a team gets injuries. Everyone starts talking about, oh, the manager running and into the ground, something's going on. Um, I think, I mean, there's a lot of games, um, as international games. Um, we've got uh, players getting used to Premier League as well um, and, and the pace of it. And we have quite injury-prone players. Harry Wilson's always been injury-prone. Um, we've signed Cazalo, who hasn't played for two years. Um, so, and, and Kenny Teto's pretty injury-prone as well. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't have the answer to that because I have no idea what goes on at Marcus Silva's training sessions. Uh, what, I imagine Parker's training sessions are pretty pedestrian and, and dull, so players are probably safer. But I wouldn't read too much into it. I think we're getting a lot of players back. If they keep getting injured, then then let's let's revisit it. But a lot of, you know, Mitro's injuries come off the international duty. That's always going to happen. Serbia are just going to run them into the ground um, and, and try and do as well as they can at the World Cup. Uh, so it's understandable. Um, short answer: I have no idea. <laughs> I think I think in general with these things, it, it tends to be unlucky. You know, every team gets injuries throughout the season and it's just so happened that we've sort of seemed to have front-loaded a lot of our injuries this season to all happen within the first eight games. So one of those, you know, Newcastle had the same issue at this coming into this game. So I think there's just been a lot of, a lot of physical pressure on players over the past couple of years. So we might be seeing the effects of that. George, I've got a big question for you from Gary C. Any way back for Natty Chabs? Well, um, 
I think ultimately there has to be with the depth we've got between now and the January window um, to make the assumption that Jao Polinia and Harrison Reed are going to stay fit and suspension free for the next however many games until um, we get to the window is brave um, to assume that Josh Onema, Tom Kearney, I, I don't know, Oli O'Neill, Adrian Pagaziti are going to fill the gap in a six or an eight brave so I think it might become a case of he has to have another chance whether it's um, a decision we, we want to make or not but yeah the, the the performances against Crawley and Newcastle if there were other options available because I, I can see why Marco's got faith in him they've worked together before but I think even if he had a Jean-Michel Serri or a, a different option at his disposal to use in that position, he'd have a decision to make now. Um, but he doesn't. So I, I think Chalaba's just going to have to be someone that fills in a couple of times between now and the time we can sign another body in January. So, yeah, <laughs> I think there is a way back, but potentially not through choice. Yeah, it, it's hard to disagree with that. And I think it is important to acknowledge as well that because that's that's true and also because Nat Chalaba is just a human being I think uh, I would hope that as, as Fulham fans we can still stay sort of behind Nat as a, as a player and as a person obviously it was really disappointing what happened against Newcastle and he did let the team down but I do think that it's also important not to jump on his back now because he will come back into this team because he has to based on the personnel we've got and you know, it, it's not going to help if he's getting torrents of abuse and if he's getting comments thrown at him on match days. So I think we do have to to stick behind him, George. Yeah, and look, players have come back from far worse than this. We, we've had two seasons of Jean-Michel Serri being out in the cold and then last season his name's being sung throughout the season and he's been a wonderful player. So players are capable of making a comeback. I mean, the, the one that's so big at the moment in the Premier League is Granit Xhaka. He was thrown away three years ago and I think he's arguably been one of the best midfielders in the Premier League this season. So, But, but not in, in no way am I saying that's his Fulham career over. Um, but yeah, he's got a lot He's got a lot of making up to do to the support and to the management, that's for sure. And I'll, and usually, you know, it'd be good for him to have a few cup games to do that in, but he would put in one of the worst performances in world football against Crawley Town so but I that is feel... one game I'm glad I never I, I, I didn't go to oh that was a terrible evening um, yeah trains were rubbish as well glad, glad, um... I, glad I was on a piss in, in Holland <laughs> but um, but he he's won a Premier League's medal Premier League medal by, by default um, and he's obviously was good at Watford oh, I remember him being good and he's played for Napoli and he's you know, over 100 games for, as I said, for what? But like, there is a player in there. I, I, I have more faith in him because Marco Silva has faith in him. So yeah, let's see. It was a stupid yeah. challenge. Let's not forget his absolute madness at Birmingham City away last season as well, when he spun on the edge of the area, and also his performance against Middlesbrough in the league towards the back end of the season, which was mentioned on the Thursday pod. You know, there have been moments from that. And he's not the worst footballer by any means that we've seen come through Fulham. No, of course. And I I totally understand that. But there is definitely something to be said for if you've got a manager who we all see as, as, as one of the best managers we've had in recent times, there's got to be a reason why he has some amount of faith in him, Dom. Yeah, but like from what I've seen, what, I'm not going to be funny about it. what I've seen. I don't, I'm not too confident that he's going to. I think he's a gr- good player to have at championship level. But if there's a player who's not starting for you in the championship, he shouldn't be starting for you in the Premier League. I mean, there's, there's, there is something to be said for that. And I think that, like, yes, yes, it's Nathaniel Shadow, and we know like the level he has played at before, and we know what he has done before. But I mean, Angus is looking good at Napoli, and. Well, I've, I've seen, we've seen him play Fulham, and it, it was nothing close to what we've what we've seen him in a Fulham shirt. But Marco, what do you what do you think? What about Bobby Reid? 
doesn't really play in the championship. Absolute class in the premiership. Yeah, I, it's, it's, <laughs> and it's Cabano me- to an extent. I said it's mental. Right? It's, uh, <laughs> and I said it earlier. What I said about uh, what I said about Anthony Robinson. I never thought I'd say, "Oh, I wish I had Anthony Robinson back in the team." At one point last season, I wanted Joe Bryan to play, and I think if anyone knows my opinion on Joe Bryan, then, then people know what, what that means. But yeah, it's it's. I think. Everyone will look old. Chalaba got sent off after eight minutes, but I think there will be a, there will be at one point where we we do, we are going to need him because Palini's going to get ten yellow cards. Let let's face it, he got he got five before the end of September. So ten is generous. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we'll see. So we'll see what happens. But I said Chalaba didn't exactly help himself, but I don't think it's necessarily I'll write him off completely. Yeah. And I think the other thing to be said is, and this is a concern that we actually haven't solved in a way, is that everyone was worried about how we would look without Joao Polina in this side. And people have highlighted the game against Newcastle as proof that we can't live without him. But actually, I'm not so sure it was proof because we only saw eight five minutes. minutes. Eight, yeah, yeah, five, six minutes, yeah. So th- there's still something to be said and we actually don't know and, how reliant we are on Joao Polina. Exactly. And also that wouldn't have been the system I would have deployed if without Joao Polina. I would have actually moved Harrison Reed back and had Palela and Kenny sort of being the sort of creative midfielders. Um, obviously some people disagree and you'd rather have Chalabur and then sort of stick the system we were, we, we were playing. But I don't, I don't necessarily think that, oh, it necessarily is the end of Chalabur. Um, but you know, I said I, I, I'm not really. I'm, I've never really been fully sold on Chalaba. I think he's been quite poor in the games he's played. So we'll, we'll see what happens in from here. Yeah, I think regardless, I think Marco and and the team will have have learned a lot from that defeat. And so going forward, I, I expect this to be to be righted. And this is where I think a really nice question from James Wells comes in. I'd, I'd like to put this to you, Marco. He says. Obviously, seldom positives to take from the result, but is this result maybe an essential occurrence to happen in our season? Gives the players some grounding, and given that we have some easier games coming up, it's a good test of the squad's character to bounce back. Nice. Got to go to the dictionary for some of those words, but um, yeah. Uh, where, what was he saying? Um, yeah, time to bounce back. Yeah, like Coventry. Um, so Exactly. Yes, I think, but because there was a sending off, it's it's all quite different. Like there's that excuse and there's that unknown. Like what would we have done with Chalaba playing the full ninety? Would be a, would be have been as good um, without Palina? Probably not. So there is still that element of unknown, um, and and it's not as much of an embarrassment. Like if we lost four 0 to Newcastle at home with eleven men, it would have been an embarrassment because that's happened. That's in all the headlines. That's in. In all the story, that's the whole thing on match of the day. Someone got sent off. We had ten men. We lost the game. I know you should perform better with ten men, but it wasn't to be. So, I think it's it's hard this season. It's a it's a two season season because of the World Cup. So it's hard to say that anything is going to be a springboard for anything. Uh, it's going to be bitty. It's going to be strange, and it's going to be a completely different season on the other side of, of Christmas. So, it's going to be very interesting. What I do know is if we do have a decent run of games all coming up um, very quickly, and hopefully, yeah, it can be a motivation to do well in these upcoming games at least. And and just carrying on from the point Marco made was we just don't know how that game would would have gone without the sending off. Um, I think we've got enough evidence this season to believe that if Chalaba stays on, we can be competitive. You know, we've we've lost two games before this and they were narrow defeats to teams much higher than us in the table. Um, when we had three midfielders in the second half, we looked a hell of a lot more solid. And I was watching match of the day and Marco Silva said, look, if, if that sending off doesn't happen, I'm absolutely certain that it would have been a completely different result. And I think we've got enough to go off to assume that to be true and that by the time we get to next Sunday against West Ham, if the midfield reverts to Palinia re Pereira, we have enough to believe that that bounce back will come as a result of familiarity rather than the need to respond to a big defeat. I think that when it comes to a month, let's say it was last month and it was, get, you know, we only have like three games or four games, or whatever. I think this month's kind of helping us. I say we... You have West Ham away, you have Bournemouth at home, you have Everton at home, you have Leeds away, you have Everton at home. 
there's there's enough opportunity for us to bounce back. Whereas if it this happened last month, let's say this was this result, we we switched to Forest games and we we lost to Newcastle and then we were playing Forrester away going. I think the view would be a lot worse. But I think due to the due to the way the fixture list is sort of happening, we're like, yeah, this result happened. You know, this result was always going to happen. I think a lot of people would say, and then we can just bounce back from this. Yeah, let's let's say we get we get a draw away at West Ham and we beat Bournemouth home. People aren't going to remember the Newcastle results. So I think it's more about, yes, this happened. It was always going to happen. Let's move on from the result and let's like push forward, basically. Yeah, and I think that there's definitely perspective to be had here that we are currently eighth in the league. You know, this is this is still a good start to the season. And we have seen previously with Marco Silva and this Fulham side that we do have this bounce back ability and we do have this ability to chain together positive results after an especially negative one. And the fact that we're staring at those fixtures as opposed to Manchester City or Liverpool or Arsenal, then it gives us a bit of hope that this this is something that we can turn around. So I think that's quite a nice way and a slight positive after a very negative weekend to end this podcast. Before we do, Dom... Have you got a, a chosen three-word review to name this pod, please? Yeah, I'm going to go with Chris Lewis, uh, big man of the City Football Group. But uh, yeah, Nat's Looney Tunes, I think, is a, is a perfect way to to end this podcast. Yeah, I think that was a, a hands-down winner. Fantastic, that one. So thank you very much for listening. Marco, thank you for joining me. Thank you very much. George, been a pleasure having you on for your second appearance. Thank you very much. And Dom, pleasure as always. Yeah, as always, mate. Uh, it's thankfully we're not talking about something else, but you know, it's, we always need to have a good debrief after a Fulham defeat. Exactly. It's a very cathartic experience, and I hope it has been for you listening. Thanks for joining us. Have a good week. We've got a Thursday pod with the usual guests coming up. They will be looking forward to the West Ham game, and hopefully, we'll be looking at three points come next Sunday. Have a good week, and come on, you whites.